Hi, and welcome to episode 32 of Trial by Podcast. I'm Talia Mason, a law graduate here at McCabe Kerwood. Today, I'm going to be discussing one of the primary issues facing transgender people in Australian correction centres. Which prison will they have to serve time in? The prison of their biological sex or of their identified gender? The issues faced by transgender and gender diverse prisoners, both in Australia and around the world, are vast and diverse. Whilst all of these issues require exploration and addressing, we will today focus on how the various states and territories allocate transgender prisoners to serve custodial sentences. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word transgender to mean relating to or being a person whose gender identity differs from the sex the person had or was identified as having at birth. Whilst non-binary, gender-fluid and intersex people also experience difficulties in prison, for our purposes today, we will focus on transgender individuals who are or have socially transitioned. It's notoriously difficult to say with accuracy the number of transgender people in any population. In fact, from 1911 to 2011, Australian census surveys had just two options for questions surrounding sex. Are you male or female? It was only in 2016 this changed to allow entrants to handwrite their own option of other or, with a special code, have the option added to their online census, although the option wasn't advertised or easily accessible. Available reports estimate that there may be up to 400 transgender and gender diverse prisoners across Australia. However, the exact number is unknown. Determining the placement of transgender inmates carries huge weight. This is because their placement can have significant impacts on physical safety, healthcare access, discriminatory behaviour and mental health risks. There is publicly available information on at least four deaths of known transgender persons in prison custody in Australia, all due to suicide. Now, depending on which state a transgender person is arrested and incarcerated in, how their placement will be determined varies. Generally speaking, the possible approaches can be divided into the three following categories. Self-identity policy, determined by the prison or committee policy, and having no policy. Firstly, in New South Wales, Victoria, the ACT and Tasmania, corrective services all have policies explicitly stating that transgender inmates are to be placed in facilities consistent with their self-identified gender. All of these states, except New South Wales, have enacted their self-identification policies since 2000. However, these self-identification placements are not absolute and inmates may sometimes be placed in prisons of their birth sex. The prison policies in New South Wales, Victoria, the ACT and Tasmania are similar. They direct that permanent decisions should be based on the person's identified gender. However, other items may be considered in the decision, including perceived risks to the safety of the transgender inmate or other inmates. But one of the major issues is in addressing how transgender people are to be received into the prison system before a permanent placement is determined. In Victoria, reception is done based on the gender specified on the identity documents the person has with them at the point they are ordered to be transported to a corrective facility, be it police cells or court. 
This placement will therefore depend on whether the person has changed their gender on their birth certificate and other identity documents. However, until May 2020, the ability to make this change was restricted in Victoria to people who had undergone gender reassignment surgery. From that point onwards, further information is collected and then within three days of arrival, a sentence management panel is convened to confirm the appropriate permanent placement in either a male or female prison. However, in New South Wales, initial reception is determined by whether the person has identification proving that they are a recognised transgender person. This doesn't just need to be a birth certificate, which again requires sex affirmation surgery to change in New South Wales. It could also include an official change of name or a document of identity which may be issued in your recognised gender. Sex affirmation surgery is not needed in these cases. If so, the person will go to a prison consistent with their recognised identity. However, all inmates who do not identify as either male or female do not hold documentation recognising them as a transgender person or who have previously been in custody and have since transitioned, will go to an all-male prison, the Metropolitan Remand and Reception Centre in Sydney. But it has the most appropriate infrastructure for the separation and protection of the person and appropriate facilities to complete their required medical review and provide healthcare until a permanent placement can be determined in either a male or female prison. The second group of states, Queensland, the Northern Territory and South Australia, do not have clear-cut policies. Transgender people in these states may indicate whether they want to go to a female or male prison, but each placement is considered on a case-by-case basis. Of these three states, only the practice directive of Queensland Corrective Services is publicly available. This practice directive states that each case will be managed individually by the chief superintendent and general manager of the relevant facility and a multidisciplinary team. The factors to be considered are listed in order as 1. The security and good order of the facility, 2. Any concerns expressed by staff and the prisoner in relation to safety, 3. Any other factors considered relevant. It is specified that until the induction screening process is complete, transgender prisoners must be in a single cell, not transported with any other prisoners in the same compartment of vehicles, and at all times be provided with shower and toilet facilities that provide safety and dignity. Finally, the practice directive states that transgender inmates will be accepted and treated as their acquired gender to the extent practicable. Whilst the policy of South Australia is not publicly available, it is referenced in other publicly available documents, including full investigation reports of the South Australian Ombudsman. These investigations indicate that there are existing issues in the application of the policy. A complaint was raised by Miss Krista Richards, a transgender inmate. She took her matter to the Supreme Court in 2015 to be recognised as a female prisoner by the department and be transferred to a women's prison. Nearly two years later, she involved the South Australian Ombudsman as, while she had been transferred to a woman's prison, her male birth name was still being used to identify her on her prison door and prison documents continued to refer to her as male. Also, while she had been transferred to a woman's prison, it was in a complex needs unit. She had been in an isolated cell with no socialisation ability for over seven months. 
the Ombudsman found that the delay in amending her gender in all written references and addresses by staff was improperly discriminatory and with no satisfactory explanation. However, as there were other considerations relevant to determining Krista's placement, such as witness status, the delay in placement in a more general prison unit was not unreasonable. Finally, Western Australia. Unfortunately, this is the only state which does not have a policy dedicated to how transgender prisoners should be managed. Perhaps unsurprisingly, it often features in the media with complaints voiced by transgender prisoners. This includes the recent case of Mara Ellis. Mara Ellis was in an all-male prison for four months in 2018 as a 22-year-old, having transitioned four years earlier at age 18. Three of these months were spent in isolation, alone inside her cell for 23 hours per day, following which she was released to a mainstream area, sharing a cell with a male inmate for one month. It is here she has alleged that she was sexually assaulted. This was in WA's largest public prison, which was noted in 2019 to be at 115% capacity, unsafe and unsustainable, with high rates of deaths in custody, assaults, and prisoner breakouts. The WA Corrections Department has reportedly been working on a policy dedicated to the management of transgender, gender diverse and intersex inmates for the past several years. No details of the contents of the policy are yet publicly available. The automatic position of prisons to manage the presence of transgender inmates into isolation cells must be addressed. As outlined, most transgender inmates in Australia are placed into isolation, whether as a short-term measure whilst placement is being determined or more extensively. However, this may prove problematic. In 2015, the United Nations updated the Mandela Rules, which are the standard for the treatment of prisoners. It states that the confinement of prisoners for 22 hours or more per day for more than 15 consecutive days is regarded as a form of torture. Whilst isolation may, on occasion, be necessary for the protection of various inmates, due to criminal history, infamy or any other reason, it must be a last resort only and not a standard placement. Whilst advocates acknowledge there is no silver bullet for managing transgender people safely in prison, there are alternative models available which must be explored. Transgender rights in correction centres is a controversial and complex topic, but one we wanted to address. Hopefully, it's broken it down a little so you can understand how it works across each state and where concerns are held for this community. One thing is for certain, this topic isn't going anywhere and should be continually addressed in the future.